Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go, Draft Knicks. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Draft Nation Podcast. My name is Joe 412, and I will be your host again for the next 30 minutes. For those of you who don't know what Draft Nation is, we are members, a brother and sisterhood of total Draft Knicks, uh, and we believe that sports drafts of all shapes and sizes deserve more coverage, daily coverage, in fact as each year professional drafts in all four major sports set records for viewership and attendance. And this year was no different. The NFL was up 12%. NHL was up almost 50%. NBA draft set records and so on. So on Draft Nation, uh, you will learn shortly that we feature a variety of in-depth analyses on all four major sports drafts uh, and draft prospects for the NFL, the NBA, ice hockey with the NHL and Major League Baseball, and tonight's not going to be any different. We'll break down the free agent marketplaces when they're relevant and how they may affect your team's draft strategies. We'll talk about potential trades for your favorite teams. We'll talk about the salary capital implications for your favorite teams. And last but not least, Draft Nation will offer analysis on each of your favorite teams and their positions of needs for future drafts. But before we drop the puck tonight, Again, we want to thank our longtime sponsor, Caliente's Pizza and Draft House, home of the world's best pizza. Check them out at worldsbestpizza.com. Uh, and without further ado, Draft Nation, again, goes back on the clock. Uh, tonight is a pleasure for me to introduce my two guests. You're going to recognize them. They were here last week for our inaugural show. First, uh, from Philly to L.A., Mr. East Coast to West Coast, Mark Mancini, and Emmett Mann, one of the four horsemen of the draft, draft apocalypse over at Draft 412 in uh, our Pittsburgh affiliate and home to the best draft, draft coverage in the Berg. Welcome, gents. Uh, we are now on the clock, and tonight we're going to be talking a little NCAA football preview. I know that it's football's creeping back into everybody's mind. We're getting you know college teams going back uh, in a few weeks to to, to practice, and of course, uh, you know we've got the NFL starting to creep towards uh, some of their uh, their, their camps. Um, but let me start uh, with you, Emmett. Um, we have, uh, you know, look, we've, we've seen the Georgia Bulldogs back-to-back champs, uh, but let's, before we get into who we think uh, might be one of those teams that, that wins it all this year, let's kind of look, go around the horn to the Power Five and, 
which teams in each of these conferences, Emmett, do you think we should be watching for this year and why? Uh, I think you're pretty much going to see a lot of chalk, a lot of the same uh, faces uh, as you are going uh, for most of them. Uh, you know, the, the, it'll be the big names in, in the SEC, Bama, Georgia, LSU, uh, Tennessee, uh, the, the ACC is going to be Clemson, Florida State, uh, North Carolina. Um, you know, some people are even high on Duke. Uh, maybe they're just high. Um, <laughs> you know, the Big 12, it's going to be uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas. Big 10 will be Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Uh, and somebody from the West simply because the rules dictate it must be. Uh, I think maybe the, the, the one conference that has its ability to kind of be up in the air is the Pac-12, uh, you know, and not just because they're operating under great uncertainty and it'll be the last year for USC and UCLA. Uh, but, you know, Washington, Oregon, Oregon State will all have their nose in there. Someone will stub their toe, and it'll be a big scramble uh, towards the end of the year. And like in years past, we'll probably be surprised at who the two the two teams are in the in the conference championship. Uh, but you know, there, there's always someone that that, that uh, we overlook, and, and and I think we'll get into some reasons why later uh, in, in the show. But uh, uh, I'm expecting. Um, same verse, uh, or, you know, same song, different verse. Mark, what about you? I mean, I know you're out there in Pac-12 country. Uh, you're in USB and UCLA land. What do you think of, of, of the Pac-12? Emmett makes a really good point. That's the one P5 conference that might be up for grabs. It always seems to be uh, sort of like a, you know, like a wheel of fortune out there. Who, who do you think uh, uh, on the West Coast uh, is, is going to win that Pac-12? Is it Caleb Williams and – USC's to lose, or what, do you, what are you thinking out that way? Well, I'm high on USC, and for the simple fact, I'm a big believer of what Lincoln Riley's brought to this, you know, uh, school. And, you know, they were one win away from, you know, being a part of it. Uh, but, you know, if you kept Utah out of that thing, and they, they lost in the Pac-12 uh, title game, which I'm not a big fan of, because I don't think a team should – uh, be ranked and then drop out of that ranking by losing in a in a Pac-12 game when you know it, it shouldn't have that much stock you know and they didn't have really nothing to play for. Their defense was a concern for me, uh, and they must show progress on that to be taken even more seriously this year as a as a national championship contender. Um, but the good is Lincoln Riley's there, and you got the return of the Heisman winning quarterback and Caleb Williams. I mean, the dude threw almost 5,000 passing yards. He rushed for almost 400 yards. He had 52 total touchdowns. I mean, what more can you ask? I think it's USC's to lose. I think Washington is going to be a tough one to, uh, you know, to break that conference drought. You keep your eye on them. And, you know, Utah is going to be, you know, have something to say. They're the two-time defending Pac-12 championships. But they're going to be underappreciated compared to the likes of USC and, and, and some of these others. But, Kyle Winningham and his group are used to that. They'll again compete for conference honors. And uh, you know what? They got a quarterback coming back in Cam Rising. 
you know, it was unfortunate injuries that knocked him out of the last two Rose Bowls. But I, I like Utah, too. So Utah, Washington, USC, to keep them on an even platform with everybody else in these conferences across the country. You know, Mark, you mentioned Utah and Cam Rising. If there's a sleeper team in that conference, it may be them. I think everyone always overlooks them. They always default to USC. They'll default to Oregon. Now, you know, with Penix's, like, resurgence, maybe surgence, if that's a word, you know, after yeah. his, his uh, transfer from, from Indiana had done – he did a really good job in Washington last year and just wasn't able to put them over the top. But Utah's – they're sneaky good all the time. And, and yeah. they lost a couple of guys, uh, but they always kind of reload there and no one gives them, you know, the, the, the credit that they deserve. And what they beat USC twice last year, right? Yeah. As I know well, not only the, that, uh, a sleeper, if you want to look at a sleeper, guys, and you might not agree with it, but I'm going to throw it out there. Keep your eye on Notre Dame. This is a team that recovered from an 0-2 start. They handed Clemson its first defeat. They climbed up to the top 15. And they beat a red-hot uh, South Carolina. You know, the, the key here is, you know, uh, Marcus Freeman, second year, you know, and Sam Hartman transferring from Wake Forest. They're, they're games that you got to watch out. they got some key uh, games, uh, include USC, Clemson, and Ohio State. So that'll be the thing. But I like Notre Dame. Keep your eye on Notre Dame. Emmett, you you agree on Notre Dame? I've got some takes on it, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, I I think that it's um, a a really good, solid uh, thought. And, uh, you you know, one of their great advantages is as an independent, they can kind of set their own schedule, uh, uh, basically schedule their bye weeks. So the tough games, they they can always give themselves two weeks to get ready for. So, uh, I, I, they'll definitely put up a decent, uh, a decent record, and there's always the push from the networks and the Subway alumni uh, to probably rate them a little higher than they actually deserve. But they'll be in the conversation. Uh, I'll give you a, a sleeper pick in college this year, not for challenge for any conference titles or, uh, you know, the college football playoffs, but just morbid curiosity. And that's Colorado. That is going to be no. such a freak show out there. That's going to be must-see TV. Yeah. Well, you know, the, I'm glad you mentioned that, Emmett, because, uh, you know, obviously uh, Mark hinted at this a little bit with the – and let's just call it out for a second. The name, image, and likeness stuff uh, that has taken off in the last two years, I think the Jordan Addison transfer to Pitt from Pitt – to USC was probably the biggest and the most notable domino to fall last year. And this year it's just been the wild West and USC has done a good job of bringing in guys uh, to help that defense, which they sorely needed last year. Uh, but to your point, I mean, Deion Sanders going to Colorado is basically trying to buy himself a team uh, out there. Uh, you know, how, you know, they, are they a sleeper yet? Who knows? Like they, they just basically got a bunch of hired guns but you know, I think you know, is is NIL is the name, image, likeness stuff? Is it is it helping or hurting the game, guys? I mean, I'll throw this open to you, Emmett, uh, first because I started with Mark last time. You know, is is the NIL deal just that much of a problem? Is it devolving the game into you know the the rich continuing to get richer? Uh, it's almost like 
you know, like baseball without having a salary cap on it? Or is it something that's fair for the players or a bit of both? Uh, I think on the net it's a positive uh, because it is now causing institutions to pay attention uh, to uh, to their athletes. They're, they're, they can no longer just be assets to be trifled with. They, they, they really need to pay attention to what they're asking for. Will there be excesses? Of course there are. Everything uh, uh, tends to work like this. College football seems to be a pendulum where they went, they went way overboard with, with like Ohio State where they, they absolutely crushed them for tattoos and pins uh, to now, as you see, kind of a wild west. I expect in the next year or two it's going to come back in the middle. Uh, I think it's good in that it helps teams that are in disarray and really have kind of no hope of ever being uh, contenders or thought highly of, this is this this gives them a chance for a quick fix when you bring in a new guy. Now, not as crazy as, as, as Coach Sanders in Colorado, uh, where, you know, he walked into the room, basically fired three-quarters of the team, and then just uh, start, started writing checks. Uh, but I think it helps competitive balance. I think it keeps some of the big boys in check uh, because, uh, you know, uh, when you when you bring in 10 five-star defensive line and they decide pretty quickly that uh, that they can't uh, – they're not going to get a lot of playing time, it gives them options, and whoever makes the most enticing uh, pitch is going to get them. Uh, so I, I, I think in the whole, NIL is, is good – and the other thing is it keeps guys around maybe for four years. So by the time they get to the NFL, they're a little better product, and that helps the NFL product get better. Mark, do you, do well, you see that happening? I, I, I can envision uh, a scenario where a player that might go in a second or a third round, as Emmett mentioned, getting a multimillion-dollar NIL deal and staying in college as opposed to going and getting – uh, a rookie deal that would pay him less in the NFL and thus extending the, their collegiate career. But, you know, they're making a business decision. They actually be making more money. Like a, a guy like Cam Rising may never be a, an NFL quarterback, but, you know, with the right kind of money, you know, he can make himself a nice, comfortable living staying through fifth and sixth seasons of multiple red shirts over in, in, in Utah and stuff like that. What's your opinion on NIL? Well, let me, let me just tell you, you know, we haven't really discussed the running back, which is pretty much obsolete now in the NFL. I don't know if they're blackballing running backs, but if I'm Nick Singleton and Katron Allen of Penn State, I'm, and they're sophomores, I'm more or less trying to stay in college and keep – I mean, look at these two guys. One had uh, almost 1,100 yards. The other guy had almost 900 yards. Can you imagine the running back position in, in – in Penn State, how dangerous. they got a one-two back there that's going to be – I mean, why would you go to the NFL when they're not even signing and paying guys? Guys are sitting, you know, uh, on the sidelines there in the NFL. They're trying to get rid of the running back. How crazy is that? So if you're, if yeah, you're killing yeah, me, I if I'm looking at an NIL type of thing, I'm looking at these sophomores at Penn State, and I'm saying, hey, I'm staying where I'm at. Now, we've seen Slovis go all over the map and, you know – uh, he, he, USC, Pittsburgh, you know, and he, he's now in Utah. And, you know, it's crazy how these these guys go all over. But 
I'm telling you right now, watch out. I don't think any other college has that tandem like these two guys have at Penn State. And I could be wrong, but I'm staying on these two guys. And not only that, guys, you know, Manny Diaz will keep the defense among the best there at Penn State as well. Yeah, you know, Emmett, I know you're the our resident Penn State expert. Why don't Why don't you comment on that too? Because I I I have a tendency to agree with Mark. Penn State has the best backfield in the country. Uh, I don't think anybody uh, can argue that. And you know, but they've got a you know I don't want to say a rookie quarterback, but they've got a quarterback who you know uh, you know has potential on paper. But what do you see from the Nittany Lions this year? I expect big things, but as with any discussion of Penn State. They're, they are perpetually on the prove-it-to-me list, and until they can beat Michigan and Ohio State uh, with regularity, um, they're going to be the you know of, uh, of the old my three sons. They're Ernie uh, until they prove otherwise. Um, well, is that a Franklin now, thing? It's just, just he he can't beat the big boys. He's a good recruiter, I, I, but just I can't ever get over the I top. I think there's some psychology, but the one thing up until the last couple of years with Michigan. Penn State at least played Ohio State closer than anyone else did in, in the Big Ten. And, you know, a mistake here and there, and they would just be kind of deflated. What I really liked about Penn State last year, and I hope carries over this year, is Franklin is finally delegated. He's got a really good offensive coordinator. He's got a phenomenal defensive coordinator, and he's letting them do their thing. And as good as that backfield is, that defense is going to be sick. And they go at, at least two deep at every position, with possible exception of inside linebacker. I mean, they, well, you, you are going to have to, um, you know, if, if Alar can put it all together, uh, and the wide receivers can produce, yeah, they're they're they they could be in the discussion uh, as we get into into December. Uh, and and. Personally, I also think it's probably Manny Diaz's last year in Happy Valley. Well, it, look, I, I, let's just stay on this for one second because I hear a prediction coming from you. <laughs> but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow your focus on to a couple of predictions here. Knock off one of the big two in Ohio State and Michigan, and if so, which one? Oh, boy, for the second week in a row, i got to get my little dagger out and stab it straight into your chest. <laughs> Go blue, Emmett. Go blue. Hail to the victory. Don't say such things. <laughs> wow. Is it because you got them at home? Well, uh, I will, that's, that's, I will tell you, if, if I can jump in on that one, because Go, go ahead. I've never, been a big, I've never been a big Ohio State guy. And I know Ryan Day is 45 and 6, but he's shown me back-to-back losses to Michigan and Georgia, you know, put some pressure on the coach. So now you got, you know, they'll, they'll have plenty of points to put up, but I think Michigan is more of a dangerous team to watch out for. That could be a, a dagger to Georgia here because they have already flipped the script on Ohio State. They beat them the last two years in their backyard in Ohio State. And, and, and not only that, J.J. McCarthy, they got Blake Corm there, Donovan Edwards, uh, Will Johnson, and, and now you got Harbaugh back. So, this Michigan team kind of reminds me in some ways, guys, of the Houston Oilers where they took on the mantra of trying to knock the Steelers off. I know they didn't do it, but they wanted to bang on the door. They wanted to come back, bang a little harder, and then knock the son of a bitch off its hinges. 
I'm telling you, keep your eyes on Michigan here because if anybody's going to knock out Georgia, I think it could be Michigan. Well, you know what, Mark? You are now my favorite, favorite co-host on this show. I'm so <laughs> glad to hear you say that about, about my boys in maize and blue. Uh, I'm nervous. I don't, I'm As you guys both know, I'm superstitious, so I will not talk about that at, at any point. Uh, save for the defensive of the maize and blue from, from time to time. But I do agree. I think they have a great returning cast. Uh, they've got momentum. Uh, they should have won that playoff game, uh, and they didn't. Uh, and so m- more power to, you know, TCU. But you know, ultimately, you know, I think that, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State down the middle there, those are going to be some pretty interesting games. And, and blue, Big Blue has Ohio State at Michigan this year, but they do have to travel to Happy Valley. I'm sure that'll be a whiteout game on ESPN and all the fun stuff that will no, happen with that, too. No, it's going to be a so. noon game. It's a noon game that they call it a noon that's game. Gonna well, that's going to be the, well, the lead-in for, I believe, the Fox big, you know, the big the big kickoff, you know, whatever their pregame show is. No, that's, that's, that's a source of great consternation uh, in Center County uh, that uh, it looks like for the <laughs> – 327th consecutive season, Iowa is going to be the whiteout. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll tell you what, that's that's bad news for Penn State fans, but that's good news for, for my boys in blue. So I'll take it. Um, look, this I know this is a draft show. We, we spent a lot of time talking about teams. So let's talk a little bit uh, on the draft theme. Uh, and without kind of recycling the obvious prospects, the 2024 NFL prospects that no one's thinking about here, the guys that are flying a little bit under the radar, the sleepers there. Mark, who do you have on, on your list that you think people should watch for that aren't named Caleb Williams? Well, that that, that brings up a good um, – God, I would have to go – I like Brock Bowers. I like Drake May. Marvin Harrison, Jr., I mean, there, there's some guys right there um, that I would have to say keep your eyes on. Um, yeah, Marvin geez. Harrison is going to be a beast. Yeah. He's going to be a beast. Uh, I like Dallas Turner, you know. Uh, that would be, that's yeah. a good pick. Yeah, yeah, I believe the next, that. The next Will yeah. Anderson. Yeah, that's another – I mean, there's just so many – I mean, when you when you look at some of these guys, I mean, it's just un- unbelievable. But I think Williams is going to be the one guy that is, is going to be a decade quarterback in the league. He's going to be a John Elway, a Dan Marino. And I think he's he's more or less, he can be a Randall Cunningham in some uh, ways where he can run the ball, but he can be a, you know, a Dan Fouts too and throw the ball. The only drawback is he's going to go to a team that, you know, they're going to take their, you know, ups and downs. You don't know who that team is going to be yet, you know. Um, But I will tell you the quickest way for Caleb Williams, and I'm going to say this right now on the show, is get the hell in the NFC because the AFC is the SEC. How about you, Emmett? You got any sleepers that you're going to be looking for this year? Okay, I'm going to make a bold pronouncement. And stop me if you've heard this before, 
but the 2024 QB draft class is going to be one of the best ever. <laughs> wow. There could be six first-round quarterbacks. There could be 10 to 12 off by the end of the second round. I, I mean, there. everyone talks about the Caleb Williams and Drake May, but the aforementioned Michael Penix could really pop. Uh, I was a fan of Spencer Rattler. I think that he finally has figured it out in South Carolina. He could shoot up the draft boards. Uh, the kid Jefferson at Arkansas. Ole Miss has about 300 quarterbacks in the in, in the uh, QB room. If they get uh, settled, you know that that's someone that could could really uh, move up the boards. Quinn Ewers is keeping uh, Arch Manning on the bench. That that's got to count for something. One real sleeper that I think has all the tools in the world, but is just caught in a dumpster fire that could be a guy that comes all the way back, and that's Tyler Van Dyke of Miami. Uh, if they if that team is even a semblance of 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 order, they could be you know he he could shoot up draft boards. One guy who I'll predict will not shoot up draft boards. I'm sorry, Pitt fans. Phil Dracovic. I have said it before. I still think Kevin Bayou by the end of the year is your starting quarterback at Pitt. Well, you know, I, I have to agree. This is this looks like it's shaping up to be a nice quarterback class. I like Quinn Ewers. I don't think he's getting enough play. Texas is playing in a weak conference in the Big 12 uh, nope. one of the last seasons there. And we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I, uh, you know, the, the the Van Dyke call Emmett might be – that's 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 a deep cut sleeper. Uh, and yeah. it's not because – you know, I, I saw it last year with him. The injury kind of hampered him. The team, like Miami does every year, when they start to fall apart, they fall apart hard, uh, and there's defections and things like that, too. That's not bad. I My personal, like, deep-cut guys, there's a guy uh, in Iowa who plays defensive end. His name is Jackson Filer, who's a JUCO All-American. Yeah. I know Iowa, they've got the weaker side of the Big Ten Conference. This is a guy that can have eight, ten sacks. I wouldn't be surprised for him to put – uh, you know, some pressure on the Dallas Turners of the world. Uh, and, of course, you know, Mark, you stole mine. I think Brock Bowers is a top-five guy. He can be mm-hmm. a pits from a few years ago where he can go in the top five, top ten of the NFL draft next year. He is just such a, a monster uh, at Georgia, and they keep feeding him the ball. We'll see. But, guys, I've got to cut this short. We've got five minutes left. Um, well, let me, can I, add a, quick, can I add a quick one in there, yeah. too, real quick? I like yeah, I like the kid I like the kid out of, of Florida State man, uh, Jared Verse. Oh yeah. Keep your eyes on that guy too. I mean, as an edge rusher, he's going to be a good. Yeah, player. yeah. And, and you know, Trotter is 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 is, is going to go. The kid out of Clemson. I mean, he's he's going to pe- make people forget his dad. I I, I tell you, watch out for Jeremiah <laughs> Trotter. That's Jr. a bold, bold prediction there. Bold prediction. All right, yeah. Yeah, so look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shorten the lightning round because we only have four minutes left to go in the show. Uh, so I'm going to a- ask three questions. I know you guys played this last week, so I don't have to go through the rules again. Um, so I'm going to throw out three questions. Give me a quick answer, short explanation, whatever you got. Uh, but since we're talking about football, uh, Mark, I'll start with you. What is your favorite football movie of all time? Oh, North Dallas 40, baby. Nick Nolte Whoa, and them. Yeah, North... Man, you're going back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Emmett, how about you, man? Remember the Titans. 
If they cross you the line choice. of scrimmage, I'm yeah. taking you all out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to admit, you know, as much as it's easy for me to say Rudy, uh, I'm going to – and I was debating on these final two. I like the old Tom Cruise, all the right moves, but I think I have yeah. to settle on the replacements. I love the Shane Fowler, yeah. oh, yeah. just just oh, a lot yeah. of fun, you know, comedy stuff uh, on that. But you know, I think Rudy, if I want to cry, Falco, if I want to laugh, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, and I'll start with you on this second one, man. True. You can watch every time it's on. You keep watching it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Complete stuff. Oh, all right, Evan, staying with you, man. Favorite football movie character of all time? Uh, boy, I think you actually put it on the tee for me, Shane Falco. Shane Falco. Redemption story, <laughs> beats people up in a bar, makes out with a hot cheerleader. Dude, it's the American it dream. It is the American dream. <laughs> How about you, Mark? It's coming back to you, man. Well, I will tell you, the water boy, Adam Sandler. I mean, come on, Adam Sandler. That that would yeah, have to I, be uh, it, man. I mean, he, what, a, what a great character he was in that one, man. How can you not laugh at that one? Hard to beat him. Look, I was thinking, I like Steph Djurjevich from All the Right Movies. Oh, yeah. And it said Shane Falco. But I will have to say, this one's sort of a sleeper pick for me. Lucy Draper, a.k.a. Kathy Ireland from Necessary. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Kathy it is what it is, guys. You know, and the and last question here. Be- again, it proves that kickers are not football players. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Mark, uh, one last quick question here before we get to the end of the show. Um, your uh, favorite college football player of all time. Oh, man, Tony Dorsett, uh, University of Pittsburgh, baby, 76. Oh, man, I, you got to love Tony Dorsett. Uh, and a close well, second well would be played. Dan Marino. Dan Marino would be a close second, but. Well, what, what, what do you think, Emmett? What do you got on your plate over there? Uh, those are two great choices, and Tony Dorsett, would, Tony Dorsett slash Dorsett would be on my short list, but uh, – uh, I guess I got to stay true to my assignment. Lavar Arrington, Lavar. Ah, <laughs> yeah. McKee's more product too, right? I'll, I'll have to say, for my sake, uh, uh, Charles Woodson. You know him with the Rose Bowl rose in his mouth, winning the national championship. I was there in that was my college days. I was I was with him. Just Woodson. So anyway, gents, we're running out of time. Big thanks to our guest again and, and obviously our sponsor, Caliente's Pizza. And remember, while Draft Nation may be off the air, we are always on the clock for you. See you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'm Joe412 signing off.